0: Fake, fake, fakety, fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast, Rebel News, and talk about Meghan Markle's personal life with my friend Caitlin. Right. <laughs> How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm uh, good. <laughs> just good. Now I'm going to be loopy for this episode because we just recorded a long hour worth of Iran stuff, and now we're going to be talking about the royal family. <laughs>
1: So, moving from very serious topics to very superficial ones.
0: Uh, what are you talking about? Meghan Markle is deeply important to me. <laughs> yeah, really. Yes. So, don't forget, if you like this show, tell a friend, leave a review on your favorite podcast, or donate to us on patreon.com. Every little bit helps. Please, I'm still looking for a job. She needs all the jobs. <laughs> just a reminder that this episode is a companion piece to our last episode where we will be discussing all the non-Iran content that happened in the last week so if you're like wait you're skipping things we aren't you can just go listen to episode 20 because this is episode 21 and now for the imperial roundup completion
2: hello my rebels hello my rebels Good boy! I'm a weirdo.
0: January 9th, in the interview segment, Ezra has on an old individual. Because Ezra likes to keep around all these weird old people that have old people opinions. So Mm -hmm. we have Lauren Gunter on the show to talk about a new oil sands project called the Tech Resources Frontier Project. which is waiting on the approval of the federal government. There are a lot of digs throughout this podcast against the indigenous activists in Wet'suwet'en, but we will address some of these problems in a future episode. Lauren talks about how they put land aside for Buffalo, so therefore everything has been taken into consideration with this new oil sands project. (laughs) That's it. Environmental issues contain and the trudeau government needs to stop dragging its feet is basically both the position they're like come on everything's ready to go why are you dragging your feet this is a two billion dollar project well so not mentioned by lauren is that the government has not approved it yet because they are worried that the project would cut uh or would cut against their plan to get zero emissions by 2050 so obviously if you just decide to dig up another oil sands project remove trees like start burning bitumen it's uh Not going to be good for the environment. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, I'm less willing... So they're very convinced that the Trudeau government won't do it. And they're mad about it. I'm less convinced that the Trudeau government won't do it because of previous shit that the Trudeau government has done. But uh, I would be super happy if they decide not to do it because we don't need another oil sands project. Build a wind farm, do any fucking else. Just the windmills. They're dangerous. The solar farm. Like have you stared at the sun? It hurts.
1: (laughs) Don't do it.
0: Don't stare at the sun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good advice.
0: This is what this show is. It's all about good advice. Laura. (laughs) Yeah. Lauren and Ezra's entire argu- argument is basically jobs and money, though. Like, that's it. Also, indigenous protesters are fake. That, that was, like, the one thing that I thought was super interesting. And it's going to be interesting, especially in the next episode, because they just unleashed with this idea that somehow there's, like, fake indigenous protesters. But they end on a discussion about teaching coal miners to code.
2: And Yang, uh, the, Um he has some quirky ideas but he's he's, a, he's interesting he was asked about fossil fuels and shutting them down he's a democrat and he mm-hmm. said anyone who says coal miners can simply learn how to do coding obviously doesn't know much about coal mining or coding and yeah. i thought you know what that is bloody true
0: that was because
1: Joe
2: Biden, the former vice president, had said, look, if you can go 3,000 feet down into mm-hmm. a coal mine, you can learn how to code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm coal miners are dumb. I'm just saying it's a completely no. different thing. And by yeah. the way, you got a 50-year-old guy who's been working tools and equipment his whole life. Yep. And he's saying, now go sit down with some uh, uh, Internet, uh, extremely Internet, digital, native, 21-year-old kids and hey, you can do some TikTok vids. That doesn't understand people or real no. life, but that's, that's Trudeau's it. world. I
0: also, I listen to a lot of Elmo's world because of my daughter. And so I wanted to like take that, that's Trudeau's world to like, that's Trudeau's world. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, boom, like,
1: do, <sighs> do, 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 Trudeau's, Trudeau's world. world. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, so most of the evidence I've seen is that retraining only works if there's currently available empl- employment. So there are examples that have failed, but it isn't clear to me that the failure was the education itself. But what good is it teaching a coal miner to code when there are no tech jobs in the area? Okay, yeah. Especially like, for example, Appalachia, where the coal mines are. Like yeah. That's not like the new Silicon Valley is not Appalachia. I mean, there was a lot of stupidity in what, what they just said, which is, like, you're, when you're teaching someone to code, you're not teaching them how to make TikTok videos. And, like, you could tell Ezra's struggling with, like, say tech words, digital native. You- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, that is a term that's even used in sociology, where it's, like, someone who's grown up with using tech, you know, in the internet and technology. Yeah. So he's accurate in that term, but it's just he's, funny. He's, yeah.
0: Beyond this, Gunter and Ezra start talking as if being a tool guy is like an immutable human characteristic. And it's interesting because it fits with the far right and fascistic tendencies that say race or genders have inherent properties and that no amount of education can alter like the true nature of people. So
1: millennials were just inherently different. (laughs) Like genetically.
0: Well, that's the thing. There's no one who's like inherently a tool guy. Did I like? I
1: was born, and it was like I understand the internet. It's just innate knowledge because there's (laughs) what like I got. There was a genetic mutation down
0: the tool genes, the
1: (laughs) (laughs) inherited from your parents who've never used computers before.
0: No, we're all the product of Tim Allen. (gasps) (laughs) How do you explain Tim Allen? it's so baffling to me like that, that you can think that you just can't educate people like some, like somehow some guy who is desperate for a job and will go down in a like mine shaft and hammer some rock. He was spurfed with a hammer in his hand. Okay. And you just can't teach him to do something else. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I actually think that since they brought it up, that's a slight against Andrew Yang for saying that, like the riffing off Andrew Yang who said that. And I don't remember Andrew Yang saying that, but uh, that's pretty stupid, Andrew Yang. <laughs> for the, the math guy that he likes to claim that he is. I do think it's true that some people might have certain dispositions and preferences, and these might direct choices or how effective training can be. Like maybe you are someone who just enjoys the outdoors and it wouldn't coding is not your thing and therefore you're going to be like, I don't want to learn this already. Yeah. Right? And like m- most of that comes from like stubbornness or other things. It doesn't mean that in principle you can't educate someone like that. Yeah. Or change the preference or whatever. And so I don't think this is evidence that like education can't work at all. <laughs> like, it seems like to me what they're arguing is like, why educate? You like come out of the womb a tool person? That's, there you go. You're a tool person. On January 10th, It's the episode where Ezra decides to talk about the royal family, and it begins with Ezra talking about how Sophie Gregoire, which is Trudeau's wife, only married him for the money. And you can already see that this segment is mostly going to be inspired by presumptuous misogyny, and uh, it doesn't get any better. I, I personally don't know why Sophie married Justin. But she was already from a fairly wealthy family and knew the Trudeaus when they were kids. Which means they were already... Their dad was already Prime Minister. It was a wasp wedding. And so this means that she would have been in the same sort of like social circles as a Prime Minister's kid. Wasps marry
1: other wasps to create more wasps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ezra also claims that Trudeau has given up being PM because he has a beard. (laughs) And says the only reason he continues to be PM is that Sophie just wants free stuff. After all, she is a grifter. And Ezra can't think of any bigger grifter in the world other than Meghan Markle. And that is... Oh, here we go. That is the movement into the royal family. He criticizes Meghan and Harry's decision to go independent. So this, this is sort of the, the story. And honestly, I'm going to be real with everyone here. I didn't do much... Looking into what's going on in this situation because I really don't care. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but the story is, from just passive understanding with other people talking about it, is I guess they're going financially independent from the the royals, and they're now discussing how that's going to happen and come about, and they're planning to move to Canada.
1: Yeah, it's to be in between North America and the UK.
0: Right. So, and I don't know. I don't know how, because I've seen a lot of like articles that are being posted by like the Daily Mail, and I don't trust the Daily Mail, basically citing that the Canadian government is going to have to pay a bunch of tax money for their security here or something like that. And again, I'm going to wait till that's like determined or clarified. But anyways, there's a lot of bullshit going around about this, but we're going to ignore all of this. So Ezra, he's criticizing Meghan and Harry's uh, decision to go independent as wanting the celebrity of royalty without putting in the service. So Ezra's like very hooked on this idea that being a royal means you like do service stuff and you have a duty to do the royal stuff. <laughs> Which just you're born into
1: it. You do that job,
0: and you got to stand there and wave your hand at the smiling children. Well, like,
1: Harry was born into just being a prince, just yeah. like how you were born into being a coal miner. So
0: <laughs> there didn't even make that connection, but yeah, okay. There, well, uh, <laughs> and there he, you
1: go. You can't. You can't break free from your predestined rules.
0: Yeah. He does make this funny comparison, though, which it feels like it's out of nowhere, but you can see why he's doing this, is he compares uh, Meghan and Harry's decision to, like, be these weird celebrity figures, which I-, I honestly don't think that that's what their intention is based on, like, other evidence, but he makes this comparison between that decision with Kanye and Kim Kardashian, okay. saying that Kanye and Kim are great because they pay their taxes, uh-huh. <laughs> and so they're not moochers. Like Megan, the moocher.
1: <laughs> I'm so confused. Does she not pay taxes? Uh, maybe the royals don't pay, pay taxes? I don't know. She was, well, I like, mean, like, if they purchase she's goods. She's a Canadian they're... actress. Like, it's not... Like, this is what I'm confused about. Is like, he realizes that she starred on... Or she was one of the stars on, like, a really popular Canadian show and...
0: Well, he he gets to that, and he says basically that she was like not not a a list celebrity, and he kind of has to like undersell it. From what so I I glanced at Meghan Markle's Wikipedia page, and it looks yeah. like she made fifty thousand dollars an episode on Suits, mm-hmm. which is more than I've ever made in a year mm-hmm. for an episode of a TV show,
1: <laughs> but. Yeah, and she was on it for, like, six, six, seven, seven seasons, so...
0: In annual salary, it looked like, like, it's not a ton of episodes, so it looks like she would have made roughly, like, $500,000 a year. Which, again, still a shit ton of money, but, like, compared to the royal family, sure, whatever. But but he thinks that this is somehow some sort of, like, such a disparity that she needs to uh, latch on to Harry to get this kind of, like socialite thing that she wouldn't get in her current financial position. That That's how he's kind of trying to sell it, but, like, I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't care. Like, so what? If that's really what she wanted to do and Harry's into it, like, why Why is that any of my business? I don't care. So I'm going to play a clip. Not because I care about any of the specific details in the clip, but look at the narrative work Ezra puts into the story, and it's really fucking...
2: Weird and super creepy. Meghan Markle was a B-list, or or more accurately, a C-list celebrity. One step up from a nobody, really. Not a starving, wannabe starlet working as a waitress in poverty, just waiting to be discovered. But maybe one notch above that, she had a minor role in some shows, like this one on the screen here. She wasn't a multi-millionaire by any stretch. She probably made high six figures, low seven figures as an actress, but... You know, once taxes and expenses and managers and agents are all paid, she had enough to live comfortably, but she didn't want to live comfortably because she was in Hollywood and she saw how the real stars, the superstars, lived. She went by Beverly Hills, she saw the fancy cars, and she started comparing herself to those around her. Meghan Markle was never going to be an A-lister. She knew it, but she had a plan. She divorced her husband. <laughs> get rid of him. He's since remarried. And she remarried. She married herself a real prince.
0: Isn't that weird?
1: Like in the middle of her marriage, she's like, I gotta go get Prince Harry.
0: It's more of just the narrative structure of... Because of, like, none of this information, well, information in quotes here that he's giving in this clip is evident to the public. Okay. Right? There's no, like, here's Meghan Markle saying... Like, you know what I mean? It's all presumptuous. Yeah. He just constructs this narrative. Like, to me, it's like he's read a lot of, like, fiction and this is... (laughs) He reads, like, shitty romance novels or something.
1: No, that's a lot of... uh, That's a lot of the rhetoric for women that marry guys with wealth is like oh you possibly can't be in love with them women just no. marry for economic purposes and there is an economic imperative to marriage like that's true women have historically um married for economic purposes however at the same time like we don't live in the, you know the 1950s anymore we can also go to work she made enough money it's just it's just weird. It's we odd that she would be like in the middle of her marriage, yeah, this isn't working because I got to go catch me a prince. Like
0: like sorry. And I will say like I'm going to play some stuff at the end that I think contradicts this narrative, but it's it's just super weird that he has to build this up to sell this story to his audience for some reason and and I don't understand why it I maybe mean, uh, other than to again throw shade at rich people that are elitists that he wants to cast out on but but as you'll see like Ezra, Ezra claims he's a huge monarchist in this segment so it's like I, again like when we were saying in the previous episode was this idea that when he was getting mad at the CEO of Maple Leaf Foods and how like he's both casting this narrative that somehow rich people are these spoiled assholes yeah. and yet he also has these kind of like notions of like how great they are and like they're constantly clashing in these weird ways but then Ezra, so in in the steps of the show, Ezra then reaches. He reaches so fucking hard <laughs> by comparing Markle uh, to someone named Wallace Simpson. Simpson was the mistress of King Edward the Eighth, who had to abdicate the throne to marry her. So she was already married to someone. It became this huge scandal. Okay. Uh, if you've seen the King's speech, yeah, you see. So that's. The king had to abdicate, and then the guy who couldn't speak properly <laughs> then like became the king, right? Ezra then goes on to accuse Wallace of being a Nazi sympathizer, which is likely true. But it was also likely true of Edward. But again, in Ezra's tale here, all the bad people seem to be women. And the men just don't have agency at all. They're just these passive objects being used and manipulated by greedy women that want status and money. hmm and that is super fucking gross.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's not really surprising. It's, like no, a lot I, of literature in the past, if you see, have always painted women to be manipulative. Like that's the only agency they ever have is to is to manip- manipulate men because they do, they're you know they're secondary citizens.
0: Yeah, and I know it's kind of obvious, but I think part of it because we had a discussion like a while back about how we didn't have a lot of like misogynistic centric material and like this episode in particular like it it just like was all pouring out like all these tropes and shit that he has stored in his head that are very deeply misogynistic yeah uh so i think it's important just going over it to be like look at all this bullshit i mean
1: this is such (laughs) like in his age group too this is a general sentiment that i've heard over and over again and i'm assuming he's around my parents age and they say the exact same thing like they'll they'll talk about like even like sexual assault cases like oh well they're just using it to get their ten minutes of fame and because that's all that women could possibly we want right is attention, yep. uh, to wealth right fame really it's just it's just this idea that we're these like super emotional attention seeking creatures that can't help ourselves. And we need to like come up with lies or we need to manipulate systems in order to get ahead in the world. And I mean, I mean, I think there is some truth that women have to be a little manipulative to get ahead in life, but that has nothing to actually do with our nature or the fact that we're less than men. It has everything to do with that. No,
0: you're inherently manipulative and I'm inherently a tool guy. It's (laughs) in the genes. It's in the genes, yeah. I mean, but there is is like a one-to-one there like how he talks about men uh, and we noticed that as well like a long time ago in a previous episode about how he talks about steel unionist uh, workers and how like they're the real unions because that's like manly work compared to these like bureaucratic unions that are all women and soft
1: Uh, well it also plays into these tropes of like how women are supposed to get relationships as well like i'm thinking. You're constantly told when you're younger, like, oh, if you want a guy to like you, like, don't give it up. You got to, like, manipulate him a little bit in order for him. No, honestly, I was told (laughs) that all growing up by so many people, friends, um, parents, uh, just older people. Their advice is if you want to find someone, you can't open your legs and give it up. You can't. Fully love them. Like that was another thing I was told constantly is like, never show too much of a person who you are yourself. You got to give them like hints of who you are and keep them along. You're, you're shrugging and stuff. I mean, I'm
0: grossed out just by hearing it from you. (laughs) But that's no, No, I I was told that over
1: and over and over again. And they would shame. And I'm saying friends in high school, friends in my undergrad as well, would shame girls that went like, full force like this is who i am i like you you want to get to know me and i actually want healthy relationships and well, i my, mean
0: my gross out of this is is a reaction to i can't believe that this is still this continues to perpetuate itself
1: it continues to perpetuate it so much that guys buy into it and actually in, like they inherit this like romantic script of how women are supposed to behave that if you do anything that's off that script there's something wrong with you you're weird you're crazy if you get upset because maybe they're being manipulative because it's supposed to be a a dance a game right you can't be too forward you can't be direct you can't actually be a fucking adult in any capacity because that's not what women are supposed to do they're supposed to be like playing these childlike games right yeah um if you, if you would hear from those, those dating kind of scripts or those heteronormative scripts, as a woman, there's something wrong with you. You're, yeah. you're promiscuous or you're a bitch or you're crazy or I've heard it all. Right. And it's, some of it's just like, Hey, do you, are you interested in me? I'm interested in you. And they're like, Whoa, that's Whoa, that's insane. And so, but even if you talk to girls, like you're trying to have dating advice with girls, girls will pressure you into being like that and make yeah. you feel like you're odd for actually wanting healthy adult relationships.
0: I've had relationships like that.
1: Yes. But that's what I'm saying. It's like women yeah. get socialized to think that that's normal behavior. There's no psychologist in the world. That's going to say that's normal. There's no psychologist. No. That's going to say that's a healthy relationship.
0: Cause it is. isn't.
1: It's not, it's active <laughs> communications on right. both parties. And it's like, it's, it's both people in that, those situations and in society, like both groups, both men and women that both perpetuate these ideas of how women are supposed to behave. But in these situations, it's always like women are gatekeepers that aren't supposed to actually give it up and they have to be manipulative and they have to say no. And like, you know, be, be passive and wait for men to dominate and get at them. And, you know, and then this is where you lead to other things like Rape culture, hookup yeah. culture—all these negative things that come with dating—are um, because of these heteronormative scripts that teach women they're sexual objects, and that's their only worth. And yeah. that's what basically he's not clearly saying that, but he is saying that. He's well, saying he's that this girl. Yeah, this girl Megan, she's not actually worth anything. She's a nobody. She's a has-been kind of person, right?
0: She doesn't deserve him.
1: So she had to manipulate him with her looks and charms and get rid of her ex-husband in order to actually have success in life and actually be valued as a human being. And what does that say about how we see women in society?
0: Yeah. I, it's also weird in the context of this, and we'll, we'll get to some of it in the end, which is this idea that being someone like Meghan Markle who is viewed by the public and having a large portion of the public think the same things that Ezra is thinking towards you and the tabloid press in the UK and how that would make you feel in that position. Yeah. I mean, not to say, I mean, clearly, theme of this episode, fuck the monarchy, like I don't <laughs> but but there's still something that, that I feel for Megan in a lot of ways of being in a position where you have the whole world. Thinking things about you. And let's
1: also not forget the intersectionality that's going on here is the fact that she's a black woman as well. She's not a white woman. So there's other tabloids that have been painting her out to be crazy, to be aggressive, and that's how a lot of black women get painted out. And yeah, she's not like fully black right like she's she's mixed you no know, <laughs> yes, i know yes. but that's what people will even say to like if they talk about race issues they'll be like well she's not really black she's one of those mixed like like people will try yeah. to delegitimize that that identity now and the thing is she does deal with racism and sexism but in the tablets it's not just one or the other it's an intersectionality of both of those those issues yeah. that she's experiencing
0: yeah we will, we will move on with this, though, because it's not going to get any better. <laughs> We're not solving sexism today. Okay. Ezra decides to read their Instagram message, which is them communicating with the world their decision
2: to go independent in all this. After many months of reflection and internal discussions. We've chosen to make a transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive role like within that. this institution. <laughs> this is to back as senior members Is he,
1: of the he trying to do like a British accent right, right
2: now? And <laughs> While continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen, it was with your <laughs> That was close to being particularly over That's what he's to do. Feel prepared to make this adjustment. We now plan to balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America, oh really. Continuing our duty to the Queen, the Commonwealth, and our patronages, this geographic balance will enable us to raise our son with an appreciation for the royal tradition into which he was born, while also providing our family with the space to focus on the next chapter, including the launch of our new charitable entity. We look forward to sharing the full details of this exciting new step in due course as we continue to collaborate with Her Majesty the Queen, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge, and all relevant parties. Until then, please accept our deepest thanks for your continued support. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, for more information, visit our website, Sussex Royal. Please hit the tip jar.
0: I suspect the the reason why Ezra thinks there's a grift here, and the reason why he goes, tip jar, and he's like making like a big scene about it, is because that's his fucking job, and he does it all the time. So he knows the grift when he sees it. But in the uh, fairness and curiosity, I went to the website and there is nowhere to donate because it's not a charity would you donate things to. Yeah. At least not yet. And so Ezra's a fucking idiot. But uh, I just thought that that was weird. It's like you're accusing someone of the exi- doing the same grift that you do. Just in our last episode, he created a petition to get people to sign on with his banner and and to make money off of it like this is his whole thing that's the only way he makes money so great it also uh won't be an ezra show without a dig about motherhood so we're gonna play that. oh
2: fuck's sakes i note that markle left her baby with the nanny as she jetted around back and forth of course she did Well, family isn't the most important thing to her. Neither is her own family.
0: Like, I don't even know what to say about that. I just wanted to play it uh, because it's a general theme, but also just, like, I don't know how often Meghan Markle hangs out with her children or anything, and it's like, okay, you leave her with the nanny to go do something. We're, this weekend, I'm leaving my kids with my parents so I can have a weekend by myself with my wife. Like, does that mean I don't care about my family? (laughs) Like...
1: But it's these, night again, it's like these heteronormative script of how women are supposed to be. I mean, this isn't for dating. This is motherhood now. This whole idea is you're supposed to be a perfect mother, and your whole purpose in life is to fucking birth out children and take care of them, and you're solely supposed to do that. Be a
0: broodmare for the state. So Ezra does have something positive to say about Harry, and uh, guess what Ezra likes about Harry? Do you know anything about Harry? Um... That he served.
2: He served in the military. That's
0: what Ezra loves about Harry.
2: You know, that's, that's great. That's service, isn't it? That's duty. And something he actually knew a little bit about. How different from the vanity and narcissism his American wife is pulling him into.
0: It's disgusting. It's just all misogyny. And it's like based on nothing. Like it's literally, he would just like, he hit play. Or not play. He hit record and then just started like, I'm going to construct this entire narrative that isn't based in any fact and is filled with misogynistic tropes and sexist tropes. Then we get a weird series of thoughts by Ezra. He begins by saying he thinks he knows where they are going to be living in Canada because he recognizes the trees in their Instagram photo (laughs) because he's magical. And then Ezra admits he's a huge monarchist and he's stressed, huge, he's a huge monarchist. Despite Prince Charles and Prince Andrew, and he says that, and then he plays the clip of Andrew talking about he, how he couldn't have raped the children with uh, Epstein because he didn't sweat. What? Did you hear about this? No.
1: She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating <laughs> and that she went on to have Bath, there's, a, there's, possibly. A, there's a
2: slight problem with with with, with, with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition which is that I don't sweat um, or I didn't sweat at the time and that was, oh actually yes, I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha- had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at. Uh, and I simply, it, it was, it was, it was almost impossible for me to, 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 sweat.
0: And he thinks this is, uh, his, uh, tight, nailed it reason why he couldn't have been someone who raped, uh, this woman, even though there's pictures available of him hanging out with a woman around the time when he supposedly raped her. And I, well, I say supposedly he, he raped her. I'm going to say that Prince Andrew is a child rapist. That's disgusting. Yep. But, but Ezra just wants you to know that he's a huge monarchist despite that. So even though you, Prince Charles loves homeopathy, he doesn't say that. I say that. Prince Charles is an asshole because he loves homeopathy. So even though <laughs> Prince Charles loves homeopathy, and even though Prince Andrew rapes children, Ezra's still a huge monarchist and he wants you to know.
1: Nothing like inbreeding, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> then uh, Ezra makes another huge reach. By comparing how the queen dealt with her son being a child sexual predator, that forcing her to resign, or forcing him to resign, and other things, that she will be just as harsh with Andrew as she will with Harry, for wanting to be financially independent from the royal family. Because that's which... equivalent of a crime. <laughs> you know, child predation, wanting to leave the royal family, equivalent. I'm not even sure the Queen was all that harsh with Prince Andrew. I mean, asking him to resign when he's a child rapist, it doesn't seem like, whoa, you got him. Maybe you should be like, I disowned my son because he's a child rapist. You know, there's other things that she could do. But Ezra seems really upset that Harry didn't consult the Queen. After all, you know, whenever you, a grown person, decide to do something, you need to consult with your grandmother. But Ezra thinks the Queen should take away their title Sussex, and instead make them the Earl of Sandwich. (laughs) What? Isn't that so funny? Earl of Sandwich. But there's already an Earl of Sandwich, so therefore,
2: she should instead call them this? This guy is already the Earl of Sandwich. He's a real guy, John Montague. And he has plenty of heirs. Uh, So I'm not sure if he'd give up the title. It's his title by right. But if he's the Earl of Sandwich, I don't know, maybe Harry can be renamed the Duke of Donuts. Or something like that, I don't know. Megan can become the Duchess of Donuts, no problem. I think they might actually love it. They could open up a really, really classy donut and coffee shop in Tofino, in Beverly Hills, charge all their sealess friends $10 a coffee or something. Really live in the life. Just get them out of the senior ranks of the royal family, as Harry calls it. Like the royals removed that Nazi sympathizer, Edward, and his gold digger wife, 80 years ago. Before they destroyed the whole place, too.
0: So apparently, for leaving, Harry and Markle are equivalent to a Nazi sympathizer destroying the family. Oh my god, he's an idiot. Yeah, I
1: don't have much to... Comment Duke, on that.
0: There's Duke, not really... Duke I, and Duchess of Donut. He's such a good comedian. He's gave funny, funny food jokes. Uh, so look, I, I don't really care about the royal family besides wanting them to be abolished. I think we both agree with that. Yeah. But back in October, I remember seeing a clip that was really authentic from Meghan. It is an interview that took place after she had had a child and after the press a lot of press coverage that was negative towards her. And so the interviewee, or the interviewer, asked her how she was feeling. He's obviously very concerned about protecting you and protecting you from what he felt his mother went through. It's obviously an area one has to tiptoe into very gently, but I don't know what the impact on your physical and mental health of all the pressure that you clearly feel under. Um,
1: I would say, look any woman when they're especially when they're pregnant you're really vulnerable and so that was made really challenging and then when you have a newborn you know you mm-hmm.
0: it's really, a long time ago but i remember yeah, yeah.
1: you know as, and especially as a woman it's really it's a lot so you add this on top of just trying to be a new mom or trying to be a newlywed it's um yeah, well, I guess, and also thank you for asking because not many people have asked if I'm okay, but it's uh, it's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes.
0: And the answer is, would it be fair to say not really? Okay, since it's really been a struggle? Yes. Like, Listen to how authentically real, like even like when he first asked the question, like if you watch the video, you can go online and find it. You see her affected by that question like finally someone's going to ask me how i feel in this whole thing right (laughs) harry has even discussed how the clicks of the cameras that he's exposed to create a kind of like traumatic experience for him after knowing what his mother went through uh, princess diana uh and how he does not like that part of being in the royal family and it like harms him emotionally and mentally so I can sympathize with that on a human level, even if they are uh, royals that I want to abolish. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they aren't human and that the harassment they receive by people like Ezra isn't having an effect on them. And Ezra in this segment is participating in this collective emotional abuse. That discussion is all separate from, I think, more important discussions about the role of monarchy. Whether we would be better without it or whether Canadians should be paying their security bill while they live here. All things which Ezra doesn't even address in this episode. Instead, we just get emotional, misogynistic abuse. Yeah. So, that was that. I think it was still worth covering. Uh, again, I I don't care about any of the other stuff. And I'm not going to be like him and create some weird psychological narrative about the state of Meghan Markle's brain. But <laughs> I'll just take that, that clip uh, as a good example of uh, she's a real person who has real emotions. And just leave it at that.
1: Crazy, right?
0: Who would have thought? So now we're on to January 13th. And the interview segment is with a man that we've grown to love. He's the left loves cannibalism. We got Mark Marano on the show. Oh, here we go. And Ezra begins by saying that Sweden is cold. Therefore, Greta needs to stop talking about global warming. I mean, if Sweden wasn't cold, she might have a point. But sweden's cold only sweden <laughs> well i mean like that's the thing you choose one example i guess i mean i wasn't aware of this but he's claiming in the news they're going through like some sort of cold spell right now so that's his example that he uses.
1: it's hot in the caribbean therefore global warming must be real <laughs> there was
0: a great uh daily show sketch from like way back in the day back when john stewart was hosting it okay where they had this uh guy in uh New York like shivering he goes it's so cold here there's snow up to my ankles this is clearly evidence that global warming is not uh, is not real and then uh they're like oh wait wait we got another reporter coming in from australia and it's sunny and it's like super hot she's like it's warmer than fuck out here and therefore global warming is real there you go and then it it ends with like the most absurd take which is like uh this guy is like Earlier today, the sun was out, but now it is gone, and therefore it'll be night forever! <laughs> <laughs> that was <good>. So, uh, <laughs> and I have to note for our own circumstance, which is that until yesterday, which it got really cold, it has felt unreasonably warm. Yeah, And kind of like unnervingly so. Uh, I remember growing up, I've lived my whole life in Southern Ontario and I remember growing up there would be like, we would get snow every year that would be mounds of it, several feet tall. Like negative
1: like, 22 outside.
0: We've been getting rain. It's been raining pretty much all of January. We have like maybe two centimeters on the ground right now. We're supposed to get dumped on tomorrow. But uh, it rains so bad that our river in town pretty much like flooded over. And yeah, it's, it's, it's I
1: live by um, the, the Thames? Thames, Thames? The Thames. Thames, whatever, river. <laughs> and uh, there's a little trail that I take my dog on a walk and I couldn't do half of my walk because it flooded over.
0: Yeah, which is like, that's the thing. This is what's going to happen with like global warming. You now It's going to create more things like floods and unusual weather patterns. Yeah. I mean, London is a city that... Uh, I guess it's like flood prone and we have developed our city to have like flood walls and stuff like that. But it just means that like they're going to be more frequent. We had a flood, this a similar type thing happened last year around February, uh, same thing. So this is going to be keep happening and it's bad. But of course it's cold in Sweden. So science is wrong. <laughs> Mark begins by saying that Greta's social media is really written by family members. And initially, I wasn't going to look into this because I actually wouldn't be surprised if this was true. I mean, you're. How old is she now? 16 or something like that. And you've got several social media accounts that have like millions of followers. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to have a team that manages this. Like, that's not surprising to me. But after listening to the most recent episode of Knowledge Fight, uh, I guess Alex Jones was bringing up this exact same conspiracy theory. Uh, And it's not a conspiracy theory. Like, they're open about it. Greta's father does uh, have access and writes some of the. Tweets or posts for her? Yes. No, exactly. She has a social media team, like big fucking deal. <laughs> they're they're for they're all done for, but like this is immediately contradicted in the next uh, second by Ezra, and it basically contradicts everything Ezra
2: has been doing this whole time in regards to Greta. So we might as well hear it. I don't want to pick on Greta too much because, as you pointed out, she's uh, like a ventriloquist's dummy. And it's the handlers that we need to focus at. Focusing on her is, in fact, a form of misdirection. It's a sleight of hand for the UN and her dad and other sort of managers. And and they want you to look at Greta so you don't look behind Greta. And she serves as that human shield. How dare you attack attack a teenage girl? Every time I even do a post that's mildly critical all over Twitter. Oh, you must have nothing better All you're doing is attacking a teenage. She must really threaten you. It's like... No, she's being constantly thrown in everyone's face as some kind of expert. Though so actually, if, if it's just it's the silliest thing, but that's what her role is—is is to be a human shield.
0: So, like, even in that segment, you're you're always focusing on Greta. Yeah, That's all you do. And yet, it's like, oh, we got to stop focusing on Greta. But let's, while we're talking about not focusing on Greta, let's get one more one more dig in there. Of course, they're not done talking about Greta. They're going to bring her up all the fucking time. Of course. They do then talk about Greta being Antifa, which, you know, represent. (laughs) Cool, yeah. And they they suggest this because she wore an Antifa t-shirt, you know, therefore making her much more amazing in my eyes. But Ezra says that really her street gang is Extinction Rebellion. She's got a street gang. (laughs) They... They talk about how Extinction Rebellion was put on a list highlighting potentially dangerous groups in the UK. Okay. And after public pushback, they were removed from the list. And this has annoyed Ezra and Mark who think... It's a Sin- terrorist. Yeah, they're a terrorist organization. Uh, Ezra's argument for Extinction Rebellion being on the list is actually kind of convoluted. So he, he actually admits he doesn't think that these people are going to like... Do terrorist crap like you just said. He just thinks that they're gonna like hold up trains and stuff. But the worry is that actually, like by holding up trains and subways and blocking traffic, people are gonna be inevitably violent against them. And that's like the risk to like the public somehow. And the way they talk about it is really awkward because they talk about it as if this violence that's gonna happen to Extinction Rebellion is inevitable and it's justifiable. And Like, that's victim blaming for one. It's not good. But like, also, like, it's so stupid. Like, how dare people prevent you from getting to your precious job? Like, (laughs) that somehow justifies someone like shooting you or killing you or stabbing you or whatever he's suggesting that people happens. And I'm using harsh language here because he literally will go on to say things very similar to what I'm saying. But again, this is a way of priming the pumps for a kind of victim blaming. Because now any violence that happens to these protesters is really their fault. That's all they're doing here. They're staging it so that when people start being violent against protesters, they'll be like, "Well, they caused it. Like, how dare they get us? Uh, prevent us from getting to our jobs."
2: Well, I got one thing to say to the climate extinction rebellion folks: um, don't try that. Uh, don't try that subway trick in Texas. Uh, uh, in America, where they're a little bit better armed and a little bit more uh, jealous of their freedoms. Yeah. Um, I don't well, think that that uh, power move would work out too well in Dallas, for example. So
0: you know, there's there's going to be Texans that just shoot the extinction rebellion people. I
1: well, I mean, it's <laughs> like the vegan turkey farmer protest, right? Like... You don't say. <laughs> oh no!
0: <laughs> I found out recently that the slogan "Don't mess with Texas" was actually an anti littering campaign that then got. like irrelevant to this sort of like piece but i just find that like hilarious uh but anyways morano says the activists are like people yelling fire in a crowded theater and and he uses that to sort of justify the violence against them and i imagine this metaphor is to say that their protests do not constitute legal speech which is what that metaphor is from so uh the supreme court justice oliver wendell home wrote in like a, a piece uh basically citing against a person who was writing against World War I, citing that writing against World War I was somehow a harm to uh, society. And therefore he argued it's like shouting fire in a crowded theater. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's basically an argument against negative speech, bad speech that you want to censor. <laughs> and the thing is, we're cool, but I don't think that writing against World War I Is the right speech to be having laws against? It's hate speech and violent rhetoric, right? It's just funny that these people who are so super up on this free speech thing will use this argument and therefore say that it's okay for police to use violence force if necessary and it's required to take out these protesters when we just listened to a whole episode previously about how important it is that Iran have these protest movements and they need to like fight for democracy. And yet here they are talking about the rounding up and the murdering of protesters in America and the UK and Canada by extension. So you know all
1: the contradictions.
0: <laughs> they end the segment talking about a Harvard protest, and Ezra contrasts it with another protest. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, the Harvard-Yale game, I mean, I, I'm sure they, they didn't like it much, but probably less rowdy. Reminds me of in Alberta, yeah. my uh, home province, where some animal rights extremists, they targeted extremists. a turkey farm run by a pacifist Christian uh, denomination called Hutterites because they knew if they went to any other farm, they'd leave full of shotgun pellets. Um, they're not very courageous, these folks. So, again, so if they
1: went and got oh. shot... They would have been good people because yeah. they would have had the value of being courageous, according to Ezra.
0: I just want to say, like, we we hinted because, like, he didn't come out and say it that explicit in the first episode where he he was because he what, what did he say? It was something like, uh, "He's like, man, if they came onto my farm, I, I." Love and I was it. like, he wants yeah. to shoot
1: them, and then you
0: were like, "Shh,
1: Kayla." <laughs> My no. gosh, people! I think need a set of conservative parents to see how fucked up the right is because <laughs> this isn't even alarming to me. I've heard this argument so many times. You want to come protest? I will yeah. harm you, right? Like,
0: oh my god! I love that. I love that you nailed that he was going to bring up the turkey
1: farm. <laughs> I knew it. He's so predictable.
0: We had, but the thing is, I was so excited because we hadn't heard about the turkey farm. And sometimes so it's like he's bringing it back. During the mailbag segment, Ezra ends the show by doubling down on uh, this the hairy thing from the previous uh, day. And he calls him a good egg who was targeted by a cereal grifter. And I just wanted to note that now Megan is a cereal grifter. <laughs> <So> she <just laughs> She's done this before, <laughs> she just continues to do it. It's a trend now. And also, good, her egg. Up. good egg. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's an old
1: term. You're a good egg, yeah.
0: You're a good egg. January 14th, which was an unimportant day, but I'll just briefly mention it, which (laughs) is Ezra is complaining about the CBC's uh, ad revenue decreasing. So I guess the CBC, less people are watching it, and so less advertisers are buying spots. And, I mean, your face, you can't see it on the audio medium, was basically, who gives a fuck? (laughs) Which is my thing, which is like, Again, what is the purpose of the CBC? It's not to make money. No. It's to provide a platform with content and yeah. art and stuff so that it's there and we're generating art even though it might not always be consumed. That's it. And a lot of, like, of, of course, conservatives are always going to talk about the CBC in terms of economics and all that bullshit. And there are people in, like, the sphere of the CBC that are always worried about this shit. But like for me, it's like I, I don't mind my taxpayer money going to support Earth that I don't watch because I think that it like occasionally you'll hit upon something good or whatever. But it's like a way of cultivating Canadian content so that we're not constantly relying on the content of other countries like America. Like Fox News. Yeah. Like we don't need to watch that shit. No, you don't. So Ezra again says that the CBC is lying about uh, the indigenous reaction to the LNG pipelines or whatever like that again. Uh, and since this is, this is the end of this episode I just want to say maybe like project into the next episode so I know what happens on the 15th uh, a lot of Kean Bext news oh, came out he, he did a bunch of stuff and so in the next episode we're going to be going over that uh, to basically to tease it he went to Atsuettin yeah so that's it for this one
1: We do have good news. Uh so we've just recently found out that Etfo in I always forget the name. Uh, Owekta, because Owekta, it's such a weird it's like, <laughs> it's like an uncomfortable thing to say. Owekta. Like it just I like it. Owekta.
0: It sounds like a nah. uh, machine. No. Like a robot.
1: Mm, I don't like it. <laughs> it's like you know how people like hate the word moist. Yes. Yeah, that's how I feel when I hear that. That's um right. So why I don't know. It just makes me feel. <laughs> weird. Anyways,
0: is it the fact that Catholics in the <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably there is probably some trauma underlying yeah. trauma that's built into that. But um Etpo and uh, Oecka are the Catholic school board, and I, that's it, right? It's just.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well it's elementary school. Elementary and, like the Catholic and Catholic school Catholic board.
1: board. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they're on the well, I lines. say Catholic
0: school board, but it's it's better to frame it as the union for the teachers in yes. the Catholic Yeah, schools. sorry, yeah, it's the unions
1: yeah. for them. Um but now they are doing uh walkouts and rotating pickets as well. And so that's super exciting because they're gonna be joining um OSST. <laughs> for some reason I couldn't like OSSTS. OSTF. Ost- Ost- i'm so dumb with these acronyms um so they're going to be joining them and it's going to put pressure on the ford government to actually be giving these guys a better deal and properly negotiate because they haven't been doing it but what's even greater um the ford government now is paying out parents i don't know if they're
0: doing it yet but they said they said they're
1: going to pay parents um, I was like forty-six dollars a day, something like that, for every time the yeah. the teachers go out on strike and their kids miss miss kindergarten. So I think they said it, it was like for su- daycare costs forty-eight yeah. million per day. If that happens, like that's the calculated amount. But like all they would want in monetary benefits for those those teachers would be like two hundred million. Yeah. And so people have been freaking out about it, but it's like you're gonna pay it what like forty-eight million dollars a day <laughs> to to give like it just makes zero yeah. sense. It's not
0: when you're actually. implementing programs that no one wants and like the issues classroom size like yeah that's
1: a that's one yeah. of the largest issues and these like bullshit online courses which i actually i don't know how accurate this is i just read an article in toronto sun apparently before they proposed online classes they teased the idea of potentially just eliminating high school and having it all online <laughs> themselves, why do we have teachers? And uh, I read this in the Toronto Sun, how accurate it is, I don't really know. And it never actually went anywhere. It was just a suggestion brought up. So don't take it as like this was a,
0: a serious proposal. It wasn't. There, was, but there like, was a clip I saw this morning of an interview, I think the CBC was Stephen LeChey. yeah. And the CBC anchor was just asking him of the effectiveness of online learning. Yeah. And he consistently dodged. He wouldn't answer the question. And eventually he basically argued that when you leave school and you go into the workplace, most workplaces use online training to teach you about, like, so, like, when I worked at uh, a big chain here, Canadian Tire, when I was a kid, you had these, like, online learning courses to teach you about, like, how to use a knife properly, (laughs) like a box cutter. Yeah. Like, cut away from yourself or whatever. So he thinks that you can just replace high school education with, uh, like, training exercises in the workplace and uh she pushed him back on this and goes yes but like are they more effective than having a teacher in the room and he just wouldn't answer couldn't answer answer. because even
1: those training um videos are meant to just cut costs and save the time in training. They don't actually train you proper health and safety. Yeah. And they've actually connected, like I've read article, uh, scholarly articles about how those training
0: programs actually increase
1: occupational health and safety hazards in the workplace.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, the last thing too, though, that, that giving the money to the people for daycare is also really pathetic. And it's pathetic because the issue isn't paying for the daycare. So I have a kid in school right now. Mm-hmm. I'm I happen to be unemployed, so I don't need to pay for daycare myself currently, and uh, I look forward to having my son walk the picket line. Mm-hmm. But the issue is for parents who who aren't in a position like me is finding daycare or care in that like for a single day. Yeah, like random, like those are the issues. It's the, it's not like whatever. So you're like you're out a hundred bucks here.
1: Yeah. No, it's just so ridiculous. So fucking ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I'm hoping now that all three education unions are, like, nice. in position, it would be awesome if they all just, like, fuck it and, like, walk out and, uh... Just keep on rolling. Yeah. Do a whole strike all together. Forever. Like, an ongoing strike rather than these once-a-week things. But, I mean, you start slow, you ramp it up, you put that pressure on, so hopefully they get the what they want solidarity if you enjoy what you've heard so far please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we're doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have an instagram account news imperial we have a private facebook group called imperial news we also have a discord set up you can find the link on our twitter lastly you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatumband.com, bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening, and abolish the monarchy!
2: Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.